Welcome, this is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. So here's the model of the early church in Acts chapter 2. And let's just read it here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there we see that Peter is saying, What shall you do first? Repent. In other words, Hey God, I've sinned, I've messed up, I've fallen short of the glory of God. Repent. In other words, if you're repenting, you're saying, Hey God, I believe in you. I need you as a Savior, as a Lord. I, salvation is there, number one. Number two, he says also, um, he says, uh, be baptized. And then number three, he says, be filled with and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He didn't say only some of you. He didn't say only part of you receive the Holy Ghost. He said, he didn't say only if you're certain denominations, you should receive the Holy Ghost, did he? No, he said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're in the season in this time of Christmas, and it's all about gifts. Or around us, it seems. Hey, buy this, buy this, buy this. Constantly in my email. Black Friday sales still going on. Buy this quick. Everybody will know that you love them if you spend lots of money. And they'll love you even more if you charge it up on your credit card and pay for it over the next 12 months. Right? That's not necessarily true, but that's what they want you to believe so that the businesses can make more money. Of course, we know that. But let's get back into this here. So the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying here, he says, hey, here is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive it. And then he says, for the promises is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Uh, I brought the King James today. Sorry. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow. Wow. What did the church do? They just have launched here from the, 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 upper, the upper room, the day of Pentecost. They go out into the streets. You guys remember this story? You should have this story memorized. If I gave you a quiz right now, you should know Acts chapter 2. You should know what happened in Acts chapter 2. If you don't know, go read it. Memorize it and know it. What happened in Acts chapter 2? Jesus said, wait here. And they did in the upper room. The 120 of them, they waited there. And then it said, what happened? And all of a sudden, not just gradually, there came unto them a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and tongues of fire began sitting on top of them. The other day in Lander, it was kind of blowing, wasn't it? If you go to Casper, Rollins, or any other part of the state for that most part, that's a normal thing, but in Lander we get kind of spoiled. When I went to college in Casper, I went there and I was like, um, man, it's windy here. Kendra was like, well, stop complaining. And like last week or whatever, we were in Casper, and she's like, it's windy here. And I said, yeah, you remember when I used to tell you that? We're lucky here in Lander. But the sound of a rushing mighty wind, it's not quiet, is it? So there was power that was manifest there. And as they went out into the streets, all of a sudden here, Peter's like, oh, now's my chance. 
Because Jesus had told Peter, he said, Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. This is the same guy that denied Jesus three times after he had walked with him for years. He saw Jesus, he knew Jesus intimately, and yet he still failed miserably. But yet now he's saying, hey, here you go, it's your turn. Jesus said, hey, my work's done. Peter, it's up to you. I love Peter because Peter's just like us. He's there. I think that's why they write about him so much because he's, he's like this big goober, you know, of like, <laughs> well, what? I don't get it. Tell me again, huh? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I relate. I get that. Good. All right. So that makes sense to all of us. So, so Peter wasn't just a special person. He was just a fisherman, right? I can't wait to meet him. I think he's going to be real. He's going to be honest. He's going to be like true. And that's what it is. That's our humanity in it. And so he began preaching on that day. He said, hey, this is as foretold in the Old Testament. He knew he had the word of God hidden in his heart. He said, this is what it is. And he began preaching. And then here we are, right into this, the community of believers. The church age begins. And we're still in the church age today. I believe that it's coming to a close very quickly when Jesus comes again. But the church age is here for a reason. The church didn't always happen. In Abraham's day, you didn't have a church. I mean, they went to the temple, you know, later on, right? They went to honor God and give sacrifices. That was a form of the church, but not like in the church age that we have today. So let's keep reading here and let's keep looking at this. Verse, so 3,000 souls were added. There's a lot of momentum there. 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. There's so much in that. And they continued steadfastly. They persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking bread. So here is a bunch of people that had just come to know Christ, right? 3,000 people that had just heard the message of Christ. So what did they do? They came in and they, they, they came to the disciples and they said, the apostles, tell us more. We want to know. They were hungry for that. Sometimes we get in the rut of that and we lose that. We lose that and we just say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard this message for a long time. Come on, preacher, let's give me a good story. Let's give me a good message today. Let's really inspire me so I can remember it today, but then I'll forget it by Tuesday. Come on. God's calling us up higher in the things of Him. Time is running out. I mean, there's, you have less time now than you did five seconds ago. The only currency that we all equally have is time. 24 hours a day. How are you spending it? What are you doing with it? Gosh, this isn't even my message today. So they, they spent together, they spent the time in, in, in fellowship and in doctrine. In other words, they were coming, they said, tell me more. They were hungry. They wanted to know more. They came to the church learning and growing and desiring that. I ask you today, do you come to church desiring that? Is your life such that you say, hey, I'm desiring that? Have you kindled the fire? Jesus, the word of God says to us, he says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God. He says to us also, he says, if you will seek me earnestly, you shall what? Find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God has told us that promise. He's given us his word that we can trust him in. 
So wherever you're at in your walk with Christ today, as Amber was saying, like, hey, some of, all of us are at different walks. Yeah, we are. But God knows exactly where each one of us are at, and He's always working with us wherever we're at. He knows our hearts. He knows our lives. He knows our past. He knows our thoughts. Scary, right? But He's always wanting us and desiring us to, to, to serve Him. Jesus' work is done. He's not here. He's seated in heaven. Jewish tradition of seated means your work is done. You're sitting down. So now, who's running the race? We are. We are. It's kind of an awakening call. Maybe you're just in your normal day-to-day stuff. Hey, I just go to work. I just go to the grocery store. I just get the kids to bed and breathe a sigh of relief, and maybe I have a few minutes to myself before I go to bed and start over again. Or whatever your routine is. I challenge you to take a look at that today and say, hey, you know what? Wow. Am I doing the things that matter? Is it the gold, the silver, and the precious stones after it's refined by fire, or is it the wood, the hay, and the stubble of my life? What is, what is the, the, the pieces in my life that matter? Oh, man. I, just, I, I, I sense a call to holiness this morning, like a call that says, hey, let's step up a little bit here. Let's think about the things that matter in this life. Because, guys, when you get to heaven, you can't call Pastor Danny and say, hey, come with me. I need your help on this one. You're on your own. So that means that we should be focused. We should be at the place of saying, hey, you know what? More than ever before, this gospel, pursuing this kingdom, should be so real in my heart. Nobody can talk me out of it. After Peter was the pastor there at the church for a while and did all of his work, guess what? He was crucified upside down because he says, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same as my Lord and Savior. Wow. So here... We see this. Verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. We're starting a new series on the first of the year. It's called Honor God. And I'm so excited about it because it talks. we're going to be talking about what honor means. We've lost the idea of what true honor is. We've lost the idea of what the fear of the Lord truly is and what it means to honor God, to respect God, Fearing is not afraid. It's not worry. It's not any of those things. This is the, the reverential fear of the Lord. This is the honor fear of God. This is, wow, God's here, as in Moses, like taking off his shoes in the presence of God. This is the honor of, hey, I'm kneeling before God. Hey, I'm at church, so I'm going to honor God with my presence. I'm going to dress in my best clothes because I'm honoring God when I come to church. I'm going to do my best. My, the words out of my mouth are going to be holy and acceptable because I'm honoring God with this sacrifice. I'm taking care of my body. I'm eating right. I'm exercising. I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do because that's what I have control over, and that's how I'm going to honor God. Man, this is deep this morning. Are you with me still? But this is where we need to be. 
The time, we're not getting extra time. It's not like we're playing a video game and we get all these extra bonuses, right? We don't just get these turbos that give us extra time. Time's running out. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about this life. Once this body is done, it's done. That's it. The Bible talks about it, but uh, this life on earth is, is but a vapor. It means it's very small in comparison to eternity. So it's important that we're not just taking it for granted. That we're not just saying, hey, I'm just, it's another day. God, I know you're doing something big today and I want to be a part of it. And I want to say this too. I'm not saying go quit your job. I'm not saying just abandon your family. Nope, i got to pray all day. Sorry. No. That's not it. And I, I hope that, that you know that. But at the same time, our lives should not be the same. We should be at the place that we're saying, hey, I'm changing my actions, I'm changing my choices, I'm changing my words, I'm changing my thoughts to become more and more like Christ. And my, my, my whole message today was, was going to be talking about the love of God, and we might get there a little bit, we'll see here, hopefully we do. But, but the love of God working in our lives should be such to the place that God's love motivates us. God's love moves us. Even to the place where you say, oh, Jeremy, he did this to me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> hey, did you hear about Jeremy? Yeah, he cheated me out of all this stuff. And then he come and broke my windows out of my house. And now he's gossiping about me and all that stuff. Yeah, Jeremy, watch out for him. <laughs> no, no, that's not it at all. Hey, okay, well, hey. I'm called and required to share God's love with Jeremy just as much as Terry who may say, hey man, you're the best preacher ever. I really, really like it. Here's, a, here's some money here. I want to support you and, and be involved in this. And oh, hey, I'm going to buy your kids Christmas presents and uh, um, you know, all this cool stuff. Oh yeah, I love you too, Terry. You bet. Absolutely. No problem. But Jeremy, on the other hand, no. The love of God, guys, should, should move us to the place of saying, God, your love in and through me basically gets rid of my selfish desires to the place that I, it's almost like, hey, I still have those feelings that my soul can still rise up. I can still feel, hey, wow, I can definitely be bitter towards that person or that person wronged me, 100% wrong. Yep, they mad at that person forever. Okay, fine. Do it. See what happens. Your walk with God will be frozen until you choose to forgive. As believers, we're required to take that next step. We're required to go the extra mile. Love is the way of victory always. Not just love like, you know, like Nick loves his wife kind of a love, but a love that God loves us. God's kind of love in and through us. Do you understand that, that Jesus was the example of love? That we should look for Jesus first and foremost and always that that is the example of love? I'm getting off track. You guys are just drawing on it this morning. Let me finish this up and then we'll move on. And they sold all their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, verse 45, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So there's the biblical example of attending the church potluck right there. There it is. Okay? <laughs> 
or coming to the chili challenge. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Okay, so the point in this message, the point in this, reading this article is I wanted to, to tell you and encourage you, hey, you don't come to church just because of the fact of somebody said it's good because you come because you feel good or anything like that. You don't even come because it's Sunday. You should come because you said, hey, you know what? I know that not only am I coming to maybe get filled up to be a part of the fellowship of believers, but I'm also coming to give my part, to do my part, to be my part, to serve. You know, always, pastor always said a lot of times serving is kind of like this, you know, when you're out in the woods or whatever else and you get to a, a, a brook of water, you don't necessarily want to do it anymore, but, um, you know, you get to some water, maybe you're thirsty from hiking for a while and you see this shallow stream that's here, you know, there's, there's these pools, but some of them maybe have all this moss and algae and all this stuff that's kind of, kind of gelled up there. You don't drink some of that stuff. You go to the place where the water's flowing and the water's clean and the water's good, Right. It's the same way with, in a spiritually with our lives. If we're not giving out, if we're not flowing, if we're not keeping that stream running in our life, we get to become stagnant. We get to become in a place of saying, hey, we're not using our faith to serve God. But you know the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God, Hebrews 11.6. But those that come to God must believe that He is and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, you say, why are you saying that? We must have faith to please God. We must step out a little bit in faith. We must not just say, well, God, when you write it on the wall three times in black and white at this time and this hour, I'll know it's you. No. It's the, the inward still small leading. Hey, this is the step you probably should take. Oh, that's, are you sure? God, wow, that's, hmm, that's not what I planned. Okay, wow. An hour or two later, hey, this is the step you should do. Okay, God, tell me more. Silence. <laughs> Come on, God, I need the next step here. <laughs> Silence. But if you really listen, he'll say, oh, I already told you what step you need to take. And you go back to you think about, hey, God, what did you tell me? What did you tell me to do? Hey, now the ball's in my court again. Now I've got to follow and obey and step out in faith for what you've called me to do. So I just want to encourage you in that today and just thinking about that. Let your heart be in such a place that, God, it's, it's moldable. It's, it's soft. My heart is in the place that, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Not just going through the motions and being religious. But I'm saying, hey, that my actions, my choices, my words, my life line up with what I believe in the Word of God. Because I am a part of the church. So that's a... a all of that just to say, hey, spurring off of what Rick was talking about in the church as the body of believers. Yeah, the church is important, and it's good that we come in fellowship, but it doesn't replace our walk with Christ. We should never just come and say, hey, I went to church on Sunday, so God, now I got the box checked for God, so now I can go about with the rest of my day and my life. It should be a continuous process, a life of prayer, a life of dedication towards it. Okay. I've talked myself into 14 minutes of actually fulfilling my message, so here we go. So that's the first part. I guess this is a two-part message, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but I just really wanted to admonish you and encourage you in that. And I hope that you take that for what it is and that you take it. And Because if you'll listen right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But He is. He knows your life. He knows where you're at. And He wants you to just accept. He wants you to say yes. He wants you to choose. He wants you to say, okay, sure, God. 
Because when we all search deep down inside and when we think about it and we realize and when we know, what's the stuff that matters? What's the stuff that matters? And a lot of times it may not be supernatural is the stuff that matters. Maybe the stuff that matters is being a good mom to your kids. Raising your kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Spending that time with them and developing them in the love for God. Teaching them the scriptures and showing them the lifestyle. The other day when I was making breakfast, Kinder, if you're watching, I'll be honest. <laughs> it was a, I was making breakfast for everybody and, and I was asking, Kinder, what do you want for breakfast? Making the kids eggs and stuff like that. And, and uh, it was some miscommunication between me and her on a couple things and it was mostly my fault and I got upset because I didn't understand clearly what she was communicating about. And I, got a, I was emotional about it and got upset and was not a good example of a leader to my family and my kids. And so I told him that. And I said, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I said, I messed up. We all do from time to time. And, and took some time and came back later and said, hey, I'm sorry. And got in front of the kids and said, hey, I'm sorry. Here's I messed up. But I want you to know that it's not something that's serious. We had a disagreement about something. And here's the things and the choices that I did that were not right. And here's how I'm choosing to fix those and make those better. So it doesn't matter who we are in the midst of it. We still have times and challenges and struggles when we may tired and get busy and life happens and we're still a soulish being. We still have our emotions. We still have our feelings. We still have all of those things. But God wants to help us through the midst of those. Maybe there's some of you in here today that you say, hey man, the Christmas season bring back, brings back a lot of emotion for me. Maybe there's good emotion or bad emotion in your life. <clears throat> you know, I think about, um, you know, when I was younger, we went with, um, we'd go to my grandma's house, and there was fun times with cousins and presents, and I was so excited as a kid. You remember those times? Hey, Christmas is so fun. It's so good, right? And uh, all of those things, and it was great memories, but, I mean, my grandma's not here today. She's passed on, um, and, and a lot of other grandparents that are, that are not with us on Kindred's side and stuff too. And, uh, you know, we just think, hey, gosh, life is, can be so fragile sometimes. Life can be so fickle and it can happen so fast, something that we take for granted. But the family, the family of blood is one thing, but the family of Christ is also another thing. And we're in the family of Christ. And as you said, the big C church, we're all in the family of God. Some of us may look at scriptures a little bit differently. That doesn't mean we should excommunicate them just because they don't believe in speaking in tongues, like they don't have the revelation that we do yet or something like that. Hey, they're believers in the body of Christ, you bet. Once again, go back and look at Jesus. Who did he pick? He picked a tax collector who was hated among all the Jews. He picked Simon Peter. He picked James and John who were fishermen. He even picked Judas who he knew was going to betray him. So, the family of God, we're here with the family of God. My message today, <laughs> oh my gosh, the message today is the love of God. 
God's love should work in and through us. Point number one, our original source is Jesus, the end. We should look to no other place than the love of Christ. Our original source of love is Jesus. We should look to no other place than the love of Christ. We should not model our love after our earthly mothers and fathers. We should not model our love after what we see on TV or out of a, a, a romance book that we read somewhere. Our love, our model of love should always be after what Jesus did for us. Because when we be, define that idea of love, that is how we truly begin to understand love and begin to model it more in our lives to those around us. That's the only example. That's the best example. That's the true example that we have of love. The Jesus, what was Jesus? He was sitting, he was in heaven, life was good. But no, God said, hey, I need a perfect sacrifice once and for all. I need you to go fulfill your work. And we know that Jesus was human because of the fact of the Garden of Gethsemane. He's stressed out so much so that he's sweating blood. He didn't just come easy because he was God. The Bible says he felt our humanity just like we did. He had a soul. He had the feelings. He had the emotions. He had all of those things that we have. And the Bible says he was tempted like as unto we were. In other words, he wasn't just exempt because he was God. But he knew that he had a work that he needed to do. Same way with us today. What is the work that you need to do? What has God written on your heart? What God has called Julie is not the same that he's called Mitch. And again, it doesn't have to be glorious or big or supernatural. It's about being obedient. It's about doing what God's written on your hearts. Jesus, when he came in point number two, he said this, uh, number two is our love for others should always fit into the category of loving the na- your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says the law and the prophets are replaced by two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, that's it. As New Testament believers, we fall under those two things. Number one, love God with everything that is inside of me. And number two, love even guys like Nick, right? <laughs> all right, so love your neighbor as yourself. Little bitty tiny point about that. Hey, I'm going to love Nick till the point of, hey, it starts to get hard for me. I'm going to say, well, okay, yeah, sure, you bet. I'll, I'll come help you, no problem, whatever. But um, I got these three things I got to do first, and then I'll be over there. Well, that's what I want to do. Right? I say, well, no. I the love of God for somebody else is loving them as you would selfishly love yourself. So in other words, what would I want? That's what i got to turn around and say, hey, how am I going to love them? Does that make sense this morning? You understand what I'm saying? That's hard to do because we're selfish people, right? Say, hey, I, I, want, I want this wood stove. I want it nice and warm here. I don't want to go out in the cold and haul wood for somebody else. I want to just sit in my couch in my wood stove and enjoy it, right? But what would God's love, God's true love is working under the category of loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, that's in John 13, 34. 1 Corinthians 13, God's love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 also said, Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Number three, the people you should love the most are probably the hardest. It's easy, as I was just kind of demonstrating before, it's easy to love somebody who's nice to you. It's easy to love somebody who is kind to you. It's easy to love somebody who is amicable towards you and actually is, you know, decent. But then you get that person who starts slandering you and starts talking about all these bad things about you. You get this person who's saying all these, these things, this person that's telling you their stuff, maybe telling you they'll meet you somewhere and then they don't do it. They say, hey, I'm going to do this, but then they lie to you about it. You count on them, you rely on them, and then what happens? They don't show up. And then if you're not careful, what can happen? Resentment. Unforgiveness if you're not careful. So Jesus said, in, like in the Sermon on the Mount and other places, he said, hey, you thought before you should love your friends and hate your enemies. He flipped the script on him. He said, no, love your enemies. I tell you, take it to the next level. Wow, that's harder to do. It's so funny to me that in studying this, when Matthew was writing about this, Jesus' words actually said, love each other, even the tax collector. Surely any, but people can love the tax collector. Right? To me, that's very ironic because what do you know about Matthew? He was a what? Tax collector. So he's writing about his former identity of who he was as a tax collector, and he's even saying those words. If you want, go look it up. We don't have time today, Matthew, uh, Matthew 5. He says, uh, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he said, Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? are not even the tax collectors doing that. In other words, you can love the people that are easy to love, but the people that are hard, those are the people that I'm calling you to love. Those are the people that I'm calling you to walk the high road of love and give unconditional love back. Now, it's, not, it's one thing to be, to be stupid. In other words, hey, this person has done me wrong a lot of times, so I'm just going to keep going this same path. There's an element of wisdom that's involved too, so you're not like getting you know, destroyed, I guess that's, that doesn't really make sense. But like Jesus also said, he said, you know, I tell you, if a friend asks for, you know, a, clo- a piece of clothing or whatever, give him your whole cloak. If he hits you in one cheek, turn the other and say, here's the other one too. Like, that's the nature, that's the attitude of what Jesus is calling us to do. And that's not easy. It requires being in God's word. It requires God's love working in our lives. It requires us, the Holy Spirit helping us with our temper, with our controlling our anger, controlling, hey, oof, God, I, I need your help on this one. Because I'm going to rise up big on the inside and duh, it's not going to be good. I mean, a lot of us can, the first place of practice is in our homes. A lot of us and the people that we know and love. Point number four and the last one that I have today If the love of God is not in our lives, we do not know God. If the love of God is not in our lives, we do not know God. And here's the proof to back it up. 1 John 4, 8 says, For whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It doesn't say God tries to love, God is part of God is love. No, it simply says the three-word sentence, God is love. You can't get any higher definition than that. You can't get any stronger definition than that. You can't get any deeper than that. 
God in and of Himself is defined as love. I've heard people say like uh, Jesse Duplantis, I think, and some others that have had visions of heaven. They say they can't even, hardly even approach the throne of God. They can't even look up because the overwhelming power of God, the light, is, is so intense that they can't even really approach God's throne because they actually describe it as the overwhelming like feeling of love and sensing of love of the throne of God. It's interesting that they describe it as that. They don't say it's so bright that I couldn't even hardly see. He said, no, the love of God, the force of the love of God was so strong that I couldn't even but barely lift up my head and just it was so bright like the sun I couldn't even see. But that they, they sensed that and they knew that the love of God was so strong. Guys and gals, believers, if we just had a glimpse and we realized, hey, God's love in and through us, if it's a fraction or a portion of that, God's love should motivate us. God's love should work through us. We should be, hey, that person on the street or that person in the grocery store. I'm just trying to get home and do my thing. I just got to get my kids to soccer practice at 5.15 and I got to go make dinner and I got to do this and get all these things in and done, but this person wants to talk to me and I have an opportunity and... Are you going to listen? I'm right here with you. God's love should constrain us. In other words, it should motivate us. It should move us. How do we get, you say, maybe, maybe you're in here and you say, wow, I've never experienced God's love like that before. How does more of God's love come in your life? By spending time with Him, by knowing God. Did you know something else? God's love will move you towards a more holy life. God's love will correct sin in your life. God's love will lead you to the place of, of moving up higher in a walk with Him. God's love will call you to do things that maybe your neighbor hasn't done because they're not ready for it yet. But God's love is calling you to a holy life, a life of dedication, a life of being consecrated before Him, a life of changing actions, choices, and words to become more and more God-like. Because ultimately, guys, Jesus said this. He said, they, you should, um, John 13, 35, by by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said very clearly, they will know you by your love. If they say, oh, there's that worker that that person complains all the time. That person, there's nothing but bad things. I don't want to go there and talk to that person. Show me what kind of God's love is there. Oh, that person, oh, they walked into the restaurant. They give me like 2% tip sometimes, and they're the hardest person that ever comes into this restaurant because they're so picky and demanding all the time. They will know you by your love. God's love is generous. God's love isn't limited. God's love is big. For me, I'm working on the fact of God's love into my life Taking time to listen. A lot of times I'm, my personality, I'm focused. I'm just, hey, this is what I need to do. This is the work I got to get done. This is where I'm moving to. No, stop. Wait a minute. Listen. Pursue the kingdom of God. Spend the time on the relationships. You know? God's love should move us in every action, every choice, every word we do. God's love is going to move us to the place of saying, hey, ah, oh, this stupid old thing, I hate this thing, it never did work, it's dumb. <laughs> you probably might have used different words, I hope you didn't. 
That's cursing. Whether you actually say a curse word or not, did you know that? I was reading a version in the Bible the other day in front of my kids, and uh, it actually says if you call somebody an idiot, then that's cursing them. I was like, oh man, sometimes I do that when I'm driving and my kids all know, I'm like, you idiot, what are you doing? (laughs) Dang. God's love in my life. Hey, I can't call the driver person an idiot. They didn't know I called them an idiot. I didn't, I'm not doing this crazy driving where I'm like honking at them and uh, you know, cutting them off and everything like that. No, I'm not, but I'm still, it's the attitude of my heart. It's cursing. The Bible says blessing and cursing don't flow from the same fountain. So God, I want your love to work in and through me. Before I say those words out of my mouth, Holy Spirit, help me. Let your love constrain me that even though I may know, God, your love in me, I'm going to be an example to my family, my kids. And if you're going to convict me of something in my heart or in your word, I'm going to follow, I'm going to listen, I'm going to obey. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. So in closing, guys, our desire should be for more of the God kind of love in our life. If we want to know God more, our love will naturally increase. What used to upset us before actually becomes of nothing because God's love constrains us. Just as Jesus was moved with compassion, so we should be also. Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitudes when they were following him, the 5,000 multiple times, the five loaves and two fishes. Jesus' mom asked him at the wedding of Cana in John chapter 2. He said, hey, come on, come make this water into wine. He said, mom, my time's not yet. In other words, I've not entered into the ministry yet. I'm not ready yet. She said, no, do it. Okay, he listened, he followed, he obeyed. There's multiple examples. As you're reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look for the love of God working in Jesus' life. If you haven't read the Gospels lately, I encourage you to do so. Look and begin to understand your Savior. Begin to understand what he did in his life here on this earth. Read the principles of the stories. Think about the parables and the lessons that are there. If you can't read it and understand it, go to a simpler version. I always joke I read the NLT because it's at a sixth grade reading level and I understand it. So get something that you know and that you understand to be able to have it make sense. Don't just read, well, today's reading verse is this, thou shalt live in thine house all the days of thine life and blah, blah. Okay, that's good. Well, breakfast, anybody? You know, but like, let's just make it practical, make it real and chew on it, meditate it. I could keep preaching. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. So good, so good, so good. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, That all that you do be done in love. To circle back around, guys, we talk about our church beginning and the church age and all of those things. Guys, I want our church to be at a place that says, hey, I know them by their love. You know, I, I hope that anybody that comes in these doors, first and foremost, says, hey, I, ex- I know and feel the love of God coming through these people. I also want to take it to the next level and say, hey, I've seen this person at Safeway, and I sense the love of God in their life. Right? I saw this person in a busy day shopping at Target and Casper, and this person still was in the love of God for their life. I saw this person on Black Friday. 
and the love of God was in their life, right? All of these situations and all of these stories and all these times, hey, the love of God shall constrain us. They will know you by your love. They'll know you by your love. How do you know what true love is? Look to Jesus. God is love. He sent his only begotten son. Whosoever should... John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whosoever be believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to give me credit for that one. I had enough other scriptures today. All right, <laughs> let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given us today. Lord, we do honor you. I thank you that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. You're our helper. You're our God. And Lord, I thank you that you're calling us up higher. Lord, continue to reveal to us and show us your love like never before. Continue to help us be examples of you to carry out your kingdom here on this earth. And Lord, we love you. I thank you for first loving us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. You are dismissed. Have it's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious special and important to him.